Welcome back, back, back to Young Money Mindset, hosted by Luke Caricia and Robbie Holdcross. From, from the ground up, where we talk about mindset, real estate, the hustle, and everything to help you achieve your dreams. Welcome back to the podcast. I got Robbie here. We're sitting down, getting ready to uh, talk about a couple different topics that I think are on a lot of people's minds. So um, why don't you kick us off today, Robbie? What do you think about this upcoming recession? Uh, are we gonna are we gonna see a recession? I know technically, you know, we are currently in one. Have they officially um, announced it? Are we- they I don't think they've officially came out and announced it. Um, but it is, if you look at GDP, it is, you yeah. know. Two uh, two quarters of declining GDP. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if you kind of felt. I mean, I felt on my listings it drop off pretty dramatically when when we felt the switch, probably you know five to six weeks ago, and I did kind of feel an uptick, you know, within the past two to three weeks. Really, in my showings actually, um, and I said it on the Crumford report yesterday, which is you know analytical data about the real estate market here in Phoenix, um, and kind of what they're seeing is you know it's it's starting to level out, which is kind of what everybody's been saying, you know, there'll be this big drop and it'll level out. Um, now, I mean, I, you know, when I'm talking to clients on the phone, a lot of, you know, the big objections I'm hearing is, you know, we, we can't buy yet because this thing's going to fall out. Um, you know, and when you, when you listen to that Crumford report and you talk to some of these analytical people that they say the math just simply isn't there to back that up. Um, so, I mean, granted, you know, supply is increasing and demand is decreasing, but it's, it's, you know, we, when we felt that initial shift, it slowed down a heck of a lot more over the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. We'll have to just watch it, but I don't think, you know, there's too many people like us that are our age that are sick of renting. And I think, you know, a lot of people are very aware of the mindset of, Hey, like, let's get in, let's, let's not throw 25 grand a year towards rentals, you know, let's, let's throw that into a home and, you know, start paying towards, you know, that, that wealth building. So I think, you know, I think we are in a recession. I think these next two years, it's going to be a really good time for people like ourselves to get in towards the bottom of the market. If you think about it in, you know, 12 to 15 year, you know, 12 to 15 year cycles to where it's going up and down, you know, we are going to see the bottom of the, like, you know, I think we're beginning our next 12 to 15 year cycle. So I think these next two years or so is going to be a really good opportunity um, for anybody really to start picking up these rental properties, especially if you're younger, you know, start getting these properties. Um, cause you hear about people that, you know, bought, you know, 15 years ago and now they're up 400%. You know, I think, yeah. I think over these next two years, that's going to be our time to buy and then have that, have that growth over the next 12 to 15 years. Yeah. I think, um, I guess we have a little, little different of a, of a viewpoint on that. I think really, you know, when you look at it, like I got a good chart here that kind of goes through month by month and it kind of is spot on. I was actually looking at it last night. So February, it says we kind of hit euphoria. March was unease. People yeah. like definitely in March kind of time frame kind of got a little uneasy. Um, then we went into denial. Then we went into that uh, pessimism and then panic and then capitulation. And now I think we're kind of rounding out. I mean, I could see it getting a little flatter from here on out. But one really interesting statistic that I actually looked at is July was actually the second slowest July ever reported for home sales. Really? Yeah. So with, I think with that coupled with the amount of inventory we've seen, yeah, it's hard to say, but I, I just, I feel like there is going to be another um, little bit of that 
that unease in the marketplace before yeah. we come completely out of it on the other end. I'm hoping really by Q3 of 2023, really to be up on you know the other end of this hill and kind of be hopefully smooth sailing from there and kind of back to appreciating market. But I just think with so much inventory out there, I know, I mean, I've seen firsthand, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these homeowners are, are having a harder time even just getting, you know, an affordable payment. Yeah. So I think, you know, prices have to ultimately reflect, you know, our interest, our, our new current interest rates with them being so high. So if we could get back down to the, you know, what, threes, four percent. Yeah. I think we could definitely see that, that appreciation. Which they are saying back. around election time, we might see that again. <clears throat> Hopefully. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of the unease just comes from people being scared of what we've seen in the past, you know? So like, I mean, when this all happened throughout 2006 to 2009, uh, a lot of it, you know, there was, there was mispractice in the lending world, whereas there's a lot of, you know, balances now to where, Lenders don't have the authority to give loans out to people that can't See, qualify. But, that, can't but that's what I think too. Cause if you, when you go back and study that 08 boom, like not a lot of people really were like an 06, 07. I mean, people started to kind of catch up to it, but a lot of people didn't really know the, the in-depth process these lenders were doing. Like they didn't realize how bad it was at the time. You know, yeah. they didn't realize they were in a mortgage crisis and people were, you know, they were doing the no, the ninja loans, no income, no job, <laughs> you know, matters. no assets. Yeah. We just basically <laughs> give you a house and, you know, with an adjustable rate, hopefully you can pay it. Yeah, good luck. So I, I think there's a lot of stuff that we don't know currently. And a lot of it, I, in my opinion is kind of on these iBuyers, man. I think they're definitely have a hand in this. And I just don't know whether in 6, 12, 18, 24 months, things come out yeah. where these iBuyers, you know, if they can have a way to track this data and, and kind of show in the numbers, like, man, they, these guys pretty, you know, kind of manipulated the market to a certain yeah, extent. That's absolutely I mean, what does that look like for the market? If we start getting headlines of, Hey, you know, you're in a, you know, manipulated market. And when you have the fed chair, you know, Jerome Powell, um, I want to say it was either last meeting or the, the meeting before that. I mean, he told buyers to wait. <laughs> yeah. He told them, he's like, yeah, maybe if you're a first time home buyer, maybe it's not the best time for you to get in this market. Give us a little heads up. So, it, you know, and that, I mean, that guy's got a lot of information that we all don't know. So it's pretty surprising for someone, you know, of a, of a position of power, someone that everyone's looking to kind of for guidance on the markets to basically disincentivize people to purchase yeah so it's definitely interesting what are your thoughts on that well with those i buyers too that's another thing to think of as well because i mean that definitely you know affects supply because i mean a lot of these big investors are buying up all these properties and just trying to strictly rent them you know so I, yeah there's i know there's a bunch of communities out in like chandler that are luxury rent rental homes like they're yeah. new built communities but they're not selling them at all um, to think about the amount of money those guys have to be able to do that. <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous. crazy. But like, it, it, essentially, it seems like all of these guys with money are are trying to purchase every single property they can to rent. So then as a first-time home buyer or as, as a home buyer in general, when does that opportunity then get taken away from us because there is no homes on the market for us to buy? You know, if all these iBuyers, all these big investors, all these big corporations own all of the homes and they're not willing to give them up, all they want to do is rent them, you know, then then, then we're forced to rent. So I think that's for, for that reason, I feel like at any point, if you're, if you can afford to buy, you know, I've always heard if you can afford to buy and you can, you can afford the payment, then it's the right time to buy. Um, and I think for that reason alone, you know, avoiding this rental crisis that I think we're going to be in. Cause it's essentially what we're looking at is a lot of these iBuyers, 
you know, purchasing them and not reselling them. You know, they're just looking for the rental income. Well, and what, what, I mean, how many, I forgot the last time I looked at the statistic, but I think they own 6,000 properties right now between all of them or, or I forgot, here? Yeah, yeah, here in Phoenix. Like I, but I forgot this exact percentage of, of what they own, but I want to say it's, it's up there Yeah, in terms of percentage of the, just the number of inventory they have. And then with open door and Zillow partnering too, yeah. we don't know what that looks like in the next six to 12 months as have well. You, have you been paying attention to these open door listings at all? Yeah. Dude, oh, yeah. I, I, um, I ran some comps on one of my listings and I saw that I just went back on just to recheck the comps again. And I saw this one had popped back up. They bought a, a property in a neighborhood that I have a listing in for $415,000 just three months ago. And they just relisted this month for three seventy five. That's an yeah. open door listing. So if you are looking to buy, I mean, open door is probably a good place to look because they're taking hits on all of these things. Oh, yeah. These investors to these flips, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've seen all these guys get their, get their necks chopped off. Yep. It's just getting caught. And a lot of them are given huge concessions, you know, so for that reason, I think, you know, all these buyers that had a tough time getting in the past two years, you know, if you're planning to hold at least, you know, 10 years or, you know, five, 10 years, you're year over year, you're going to, you're going to get your, your equity out of it, you know? So I don't think you're going to be upside down. I mean, granted, you might be upside down for a few years, but it's a long-term game. It's not a, a buy and sell game unless you're flipping it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, I guess what scares me. I mean, I, I've been seeing it more and more recently where we're starting to see a lot of these seller carrybacks. We're starting to see sub two deals come back. Yeah. So a lot of these sellers are realizing, Hey man, I missed the boat Yep, and they're kind of getting a little nervous and they're willing to kind of work on these terms. And some are even willing to work on the price, but I guess the, I guess the most interesting thing that I've really been seeing is like what you said, I mean, they're buying it at, let's say 400, they're selling at 375. Are they really buying at 400 though? Because the way they're structuring these contracts on these, on these iBuyers is there's so much concession. So they're showing a higher number on the purchase price when they close. Mm -hmm. And then in reality, when you actually look at the the numbers, you know, they have a 5% commit or 5% uh, concession. They have, you know, a Binzer repair on there for, <laughs> for some more you know, dollars off. And then they're still showing that $400 or $400,000 sales price. So I just wonder looking back, I know a lot of investors aren't even using open door and offer pad, um, comps. Like yeah. I, I won't appraisers even actually stopped using them a while back too. I, yeah. I don't know if that's every appraiser, but I know a lot of them, you know, cause it, it, I think we talked about this on a podcast a while back about how they were purchasing properties at a higher more than what they're valued at essentially to kind of skew the market for the next property. It seemed like so that their flip comps would show as being at a higher dollar amount. Exactly. Yeah. So that way when they go to sell, they, they have that supporting yeah. comp. Yeah. Which is, I mean, super interesting. And when you look at it, I wonder if there'll be regulation that comes out on that, you know, of like what you're able to do in the real estate market, or if they'll just kind of leave it unregulated in that sense where, you know, if you're that large of a corporation, there's no regulation in place to, make sure you're not manipulating the market. I don't yeah. think we've ever seen something like this. Yeah. Well, how about them manipulating sellers as well? I mean, Open Door just got sued $65 million, which is a yeah. in the hat. But um, I mean, that, that stuff's interesting to me as well, though, because as a seller, you know, you do have to do your own due diligence. So I guess, I mean, they're not represented by agents, I guess, a lot of the times. So they must not be if they're selling directly to Open Door. But I mean, I, I think, you know, it's somewhat of a lesson to be taught to a lot of sellers is go get some professional representation, someone that's working on your behalf, that's going to read the paperwork that you're signing and knows what you're getting into, you know, because a lot of these sellers, you know, are kind of like, poor me, but 
you signed the document and you knew, you know, it's, yeah. it's in the document what fees you're paying and everything. Granted, it's not the right thing to do on their end, but, you know, I think that kind of speaks volumes as to why we, why we're employed, you know, yeah. why we're able to represent people and in, in the benefit in that, you know? Yeah. And there's huge benefits in, in speaking with an agent. And I would encourage everyone, you know, whether you want to be an agent or you are an agent or, you know, you, you have a property or you're, you know, interested in buying a property. I think it's invaluable not you know, I mean, to, to get someone that's really looking after your best interest that has done this before, I, I think there's, you know, especially if you're a buyer, I mean, you're not paying for any representation. Yeah, I mean, free. it's free. So, um, and then even on the selling side as well, it's, it's something that I think a lot of people need to, to kind of reevaluate, you know, what they're looking at doing and before they jump online and take the most convenient route, just think of how, how much, you know, money that's costing you to do yeah. that. Um, so, I mean, on this recession, Robbie, I mean, it sounds more or less like you think it's kind of, we've, do you think we've had the worst of this recession already? No, I th- we're definitely still trending downwards. You know, supply is still continuing to rise. Demand is still continuing to drop. Um, but I, I mean, in, in, I don't know what year exactly it was, but at the peak of the recession, um, the last recession we had, you know, there was 55,000 homes on the market here. Mm-hmm. You know, we're only at like 17 right now. So we're still pretty far from being at that 55 range. I mean, some things would have to really go south for us to be at 55,000 homes on the market, you know. Um, and I think, you know, I think we'll probably continue to drop, you know, typically the end of the holidays is, is slower months anyways, you know, historically. Um, so I think we'll definitely feel it through the holidays. But I think once we get, you know, into the new year, um, sellers realize that we're not in a COVID market. You can't charge a hundred grand over what your house is worth. You know, I think everybody will kind of settle down. Buyers will start to understand that you're not going to get a two and a half percent interest rate anymore. Um, and I think it'll kind of level off this balanced market, you know, that we've been talking about that essentially is what we need, you know, is what we're looking for. Yeah, I could, I, yeah, I could see that, you know, like Q2, Q3 of next year, kind of going more to a balanced market. I guess the big thing is what do the, what do the feds do in September? You know what? I mean, how, how much do they want to keep pushing this envelope of it raising rates? Cause I think the further they push that on these rates, the more it's going to cause unease in the market. And I think when they raise rates too, it's going to affect demand so much that those prices are going to have to keep coming down. So yeah. if I, I think if the Fed stops, you know, raising rates, we kind of balance out on interest rates, you know, buyers are kind of a little bit more accustomed, like you said, yeah. they know they're not getting a two and a half. Now they got to go get a four or five, you know, percent yeah. rate. Um, we could definitely see a little bit more of a balanced market. I guess the the biggest thing that I, I was curious about on, on your thoughts here, Robbie, were, um, you know, houses that were three bed, two bath, you know, fully remodeled, we're selling in the four to four twenties. I mean, there was no such thing as a three hundred thousand dollar house. Yeah, you can't buy a house for three hundred unless you're in Maryville. You hey. know, and and, yeah. and even then, you know, maybe you're buying a three one, right. right? Like it's not even a three two. Yeah, you know, hundred square foot. <laughs> yeah, I got a garage. It's yeah. Yeah. So you know, I mean, but now we're starting to see, you know, a fully remodeled house here in Phoenix. Now you can buy for three fifty, three seventy five. Yeah. So we've already come off that four ten, four twenty number, kind of four hundred. And we're back down to that 350 range. So what is that going to do for, you know, your average homeowner's house that is not repaired? Yeah. I mean, if I can go buy a fully remodeled house for 350 from open door or one of these iBuyers that's taking a loss on it, why would I go buy your house at 340? 
you know, that's not, that's not repaired. Right. Cause majority of people's homes, you know, they don't update them that often. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of older inventory, especially here in Phoenix, you know, stuff that's outdated Yeah. and, you know, people thought, you know, Oh, I'm going to get, you know, 400 for this unremodeled 12 months or six months ago. And then now all of a sudden they got to look at their neighbor's house selling fully remodeled at 350. Yeah. And then being like, man, I got to be nowhere near that. Yeah. I mean, it's been shocking for sellers and we've seen, I mean, it's sellers are super unrealistic right now, unfortunately. And they, I mean, we're in it every day. So to us, it was a, a, you know, we saw it happen every single day. So it felt like a gradual switch, but to them, they're like, what do you mean? Like, look, cause we're still pulling comparables from six months ago that still show these crazy, crazy closing prices. Um, and I think that's part of the hold that we have right now. I think that's part of you know, the, the days on markets going up, these these active listing count going up. I think that's all due to this, you know, this this false image of the market that they think we're in, that, that we're just quite simply not in. And for us, it's easy to see. But for someone that's not in a profession to where you have to look at the markets, you know, it's hard for them to understand why just even even three months ago, you know, why a home could sell for X amount of dollars with the same floor plan and everything. And they can't get that now. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it is nice though. Cause for a while there, I really thought that we weren't going to have, you know, like a lower middle class here cause they weren't going to be able to afford to live here, you know? Um, so I think it's going to be nice for affordability when these prices do start to drop, hopefully interest rates, you know, will start to do. And that's another thing too, you know, when, when the fed does raise interest rates as a whole, that's not always a direct correlation to mortgage rates. So that's another reason, you know, get, get in touch with the lender, find out what real rates are. Um, cause like last time they did a raise, you know, everybody kind of freaked out, but mortgage rates actually dropped the last time they raised. Um, so there's just a bunch of different stuff to pay attention to, but I mean, it's just, it's seller expectations at the end of the day, you know, it's, it, it and it's going to take a while for them to catch up and understand that these are the new values. Um, but I mean, at this point right now, I mean, you're losing dollars by the day if you're holding the property as a seller. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're definitely losing dollars right now. That's for sure. But it's always, you know, time frame in mind and, and, you know, what you're looking at, you know, big picture. Cause like I'm getting ready. Uh, I don't know if I had mentioned it to you, Robbie, I'm getting ready to head out to Memphis. I think I'm going to go buy one or two rentals out there just cause the cash flow, man, is, is yeah. just crazy. Did those guys, did Ben and Kyle end up? Getting a few rentals yeah. yeah. So they own uh they own four each out there. I was actually talking to them yesterday regarding getting out there. I'm gonna try to get out there and fly and just get out, get it, you know, kind of a lay of the land and, yeah. and probably try to buy something around in that that neighborhood. What that are they going for? So they're um they bought theirs, I think right around like 150. Um, but they did a lot of they did like basically a burr method on them. So yeah. they they only have, you know, a little bit of cash invested in them, but yeah, I mean, I've been looking at them because I mean they're cash flowing about three hundred bucks plus equity. Okay. So you know if you can get two to three of those, you know yeah. it's an extra nine hundred dollars a month in yeah. true passive income. So so even in this market, then you're still you're still encouraging yourself to buy, right? Ab- absolutely, but you know I think it's I think it's one of those deals that it's it's you got to be you know I think you got like. But what I always say, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it, it all comes down to reserves, you know? Yeah. And it's like what I coach my guys on as well is like, you move different when you have a reserve. Like it allows you to move differently in this market when you do have that cushion, because now you can get a little bit more risky and spend that that cash when, you know, there the demand is slowed down out there tremendously as well. So I can go in and now buy a $150,000 house for maybe one thirty. 
Yeah. Um, or even some of the the rehabs out there. I mean, shoot, you can buy for 30 grand. Really? So, I mean, it's definitely interesting times and they're, they're actually building a Ford's building a, um, a battery. They're going to produce all their batteries for all the electric Ford cars yeah. out of Memphis. So that's kind of why we're trying to trying to hit that market target that area is yeah. that neighborhood you're looking in pretty close to where they're, they're yeah. At? yeah yeah so it's kind of just right north of the downtown memphis area yeah. and then to like the the east of memphis i believe is all like the the wealthier zip codes yeah and then the um kind of the northeast section is right where that ford plant's going to be so yeah. we'll, we'll probably be about 15 20 25 minutes from that perfect little drive to work Per, yeah, perfect commute. One, you know, one highway. It's close to the highway, straight highway all the way there and back. So I think, um, I think it's definitely a good time. I mean, I never want to advise someone not to purchase a home, but it's just be careful. I, I think yeah. is is kind of the the biggest thing. Make sure that you can truly afford the house, and also make sure the people that you're listening to and taking advice from are not people that have a financial interest or a financial gain on what they're telling you, because a lot of people you know, we're saying the same things we're saying today, six months ago, a year ago. I mean, it, it, it all stays the same. Like I've talked to realtors and it's like, you talk, Oh, it's a great time. So it's, <laughs> it's always, always a great time. time. Yeah. Like, are you it's ever going to, yeah. This are, you, is the day. yeah. are you ever going to tell me like what I should or what you're doing what personally? You're tell your friends and family. Yeah, exactly. Or what you're personally doing. Cause not everyone is constantly buying a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, it's definitely interesting out there and I, I don't want to, you know, hammer that point. Uh, too much, but I mean, so besides the recession, I think we, we kind of touched on the recession part of things. I mean, what else do you got going on, Robbie, right now? What are you excited about? What do you got coming up here in the future? Yeah. So I know a lot of you guys that I know, you know, friends and family wise do know that I recently did switch teams. Um, the original Envision team that I did start with here. Um, and you know, it was, it was strictly for, for personal reasons. You know, I felt that I had, um, you, know, you gained, I'd soaked everything in that I could have soaked from here. And I just felt like I needed to get into a new environment that kind of made, I, we always talk about getting uncomfortable, right? Um, so this new team I'm with, you know, they, they put me on the spot in meetings, you know, they're, it's very interactive. It's, it's high coaching, high intensity, um, high lead flow. So I just, I, more than anything, I'm trying to be as well-rounded as I can, as a person, as an agent, you know, as a friend, you know, um, as a partner, you know, and I just, for that reason, you know, I felt like I needed to just go get uncomfortable. So that's what I did. So I did leave this team. Um, you know, I'm very, very grateful for everything I did learn here. You know, very grateful for the mentors that I've gained through this. Um, but, you know, practice what you preach, right? And I know we, we talk about it all the time is just getting uncomfortable. And I got to a place to where I was just feeling too, like I just felt like I was getting repetitive. Going through the know? motions. I was going through the motions. I didn't have any excitement about it. I didn't have any emotion. I wasn't excited to go get business like I was in the beginning. Like, it was just way different. And for me, changing my environment, like, re-sparked that for me. You really? Know? Like, it, it woke me up. I was like, cool, let's go. We're back at it, you know? Um, and I think that's important to do. I mean, you'll get burnt out at different places. And and not that I was burnt out, but I was just getting comfortable, you know? So that's, that's exactly what I did as I went and changed my environment. Yeah, no, and I... I respect it, man. I think it's, it's something that, you know, everyone looks at very few guys are willing to take that risk and jump out there. So I apologize on that. I mean, I, I think it comes back though, to that, you know, kind of what we always talked about the three levels, you know, that everyone goes through, yeah. you know, you have the new and exciting phase, then you have the monotony phase, yeah. and then you got the mastery level where now like things are in gear and, you know, everything's clicking, you're firing on all cylinders. 
So I always try not to get caught up in those because it's like so easy to do, right? You know, when you jump into something new, it's like, man, this is great. I love prospecting. I love going on showings. It's new. It's exciting. And then you kind of lose that excitement. And one podcast that I listened to recently and and one person I'd suggest everyone to go listen to is Alex Hermosi on that pod. You know, we listened to, uh, me and and Robbie listened to that one. Um, pretty recently. And they talk a lot about in there, like figuring out like the same, the same levers you pulled to get to where you're at now, you know, even though it's not where you want to be, you got to kind of tap into other motivation sources and other pull other levers that maybe aren't the same levers that you started off pulling. Yeah. So you see a lot of guys do that when I think they, they related it to, you know, now when you can go to Mastro's and eat a steak here and there, right? You made it. Yeah. You think you made it and you don't have that same level of motivation. A lot of guys and and girls get caught up in that. And then all of a sudden it's like they lose that fire. Right. And, um, it's just kind of being self-aware enough to know, you know, where you're at in that process and how to push through that. So, um, but yeah, I think everything, you know, today is, is on the up and up. I mean, I think we have a little bit, little, little bit more of hard times, but yeah. I think everyone's going to get through it. I think a lot of the weaker, you know, individuals might drop out. I mean, I think I read a statistic somewhere saying like we had, we had like three times the amount of agents, like typically that would go get licensed in Arizona, get licensed within the last like 24 months. So just because of the way the market is, you know, they probably saw so oh, wow. bandwagon effect. Yeah. yeah. You know, oh, wow. I, my neighbor's house sold a hundred thousand over list and the agent must've made a ton of money. Yeah. You know, I'm, I've been thinking about getting my license. Let me go get it now. Yeah. So I think maybe some of those folks might fall off in the future, but I mean, we're going to get killers out of it too. We're going to get rock stars out of that. And you know, some of the older people too, that just maybe couldn't survive that, that crazy market you know, they might be getting out of it. So any other, any other parting shots, anything you wanted to, to talk about, Robbie? Yeah. I mean, just kind of to touch on what we were saying here again earlier, I think, you know, one big thing to kind of keep in mind at all times is that you, you got to understand that you don't always know everything and it, you can, there's always something to be learned from oh, somebody yeah. elsewhere, you know? So I just, I, I think just getting around networking, meeting as many people as you can and just soaking it in, seeing what other people's perspectives are like, you know, to me, that's huge. And to me, that's what this, what this new team has done for me. That's what this change in the scene has done for me is it's allowed me to just go see how some other killers do it. You know, like there's a bunch of killers here. There's a ton of killers there and I just want to see how they all do it. And then I'm going to take away everything that I like and soak it all in. And I'm smart. Probably do the same thing again. You know, just, just it's until I'm as well-rounded as I can be, you know, and just be a continuous learner at all times. Yeah. No, I love that. Soaking it all in. I love that, man, because you never want to get to the point, like, like you said, where you're not learning, you know, where you're just doing all the time. Right. And it's like, you got to constantly, constantly keep learning. And I, I mean, that's one thing I feel like I've done pretty well at is, is doing that. You know, I'm constantly, you know, getting different, different perspectives. I'm taking people out to lunch, you know, just bad. I mean, Dude, these last couple of weeks, man, I've been, I kind of feel bad, dude. Oh no, dude. I've just been texting people like it's going out of style, dude, just to try to get a lunch appointment with them or something, you know? Yeah. So I think when you are in this building phase, like we are, it's like, don't, you know, don't, don't be afraid to go ask these people too. Cause a lot of them want to share it. A lot of them want to open that playbook and say, Hey man, look, this is what I did. This is what's working for me. 
you know, and let's learn together. And I think a lot of these top producers as well, they're not above learning from even people that are doing less deals from them because there's value we can provide them as well. Yeah, It's just finding, you know, what value that is and providing it. And then also getting that value in, in return, I yeah. think is key as well. So um, I definitely agree with that point, man. I think it's, it's something that everyone's got to really strive for, um, you know, seeking out information and, and networking. Um, speaking of that, what do you think? Cause I, I have a lot of buddies that, you know, tell me like, Hey man, I want to get into, I want to learn all this. Send me your podcast, send me your audio books. What are you reading? What are you doing? And then it's like, they never follow up on that action. Right. Yeah. So what do you think it is? Like, what do you think separates like people that actually like yourself, right. That actually go and make a change or go and seek information out or, or mentors or go to networking events versus the people that say they do, maybe they go to one and you know, they, they kind of, yeah. you know, pump the brakes on it. What do you think that separator is? Yeah, that's I mean, always been interesting to me because there's a lot of people that talk about it and there's very few people that actually go and do about it, you know? Um, and I don't know, I think I want to say I was born just always being a doer, you know, like I've just always been like, yeah, let's get after it. You know, my dad taught me from a really young age, what it meant to earn money and, and how you do that and, and put in hard work. And I think that has always just kind of stayed with me. Um, and you know, like we didn't, we didn't have a whole lot, you know, no. growing up and it just, I always wanted to be able to take care of everybody else around me. And like, you know, my dream is to like, be the guy that can like fly my whole family out and do the family vacations. And like, for me, there's just such a big picture, such a big goal in mind that for me to like not work my ass off and get after it, is it's like a, a a kick in the ass to myself and to like everybody that's ever believed in me you know it's like you i have the tools i have the resources you know i've got the community around me to go do it for me to not go do it i would be insulting myself and i would be insulting everybody around me yeah um and and for the people that are just sayers for the people that talk about things i think it's a matter of of really wanting it you know so they're around other people that want it so they want to fit in and, and act like they want it but that's a decision that's got to be made at the end of the day. You either want it or you don't. And I think, you know, I think your actions show that too, because it's like a lot of people too, on the work ethic part, like I, I want to consider myself someone that like, like you said, has just kind of always been a doer in a sense of like getting stuff done. But it's like, you look at my schoolwork and like, I wasn't that way, really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, like, you say the same so thing. it's like, what, what really was it? And then like, I've been thinking about this more recently as well as like, you know, I see some people and their work ethic is off the charts. Like I, you know, driving down the road, I see these guys like just, just working their asses off, dude, whatever, you know, building, uh, doing these pipes under the ground. I saw these guys doing and like just real deal, like hard work ethic dudes. You could tell that, yeah. you know, are in their late forties, maybe in their early fifties. I'm sure they've been probably hustling or working yeah. a lot in their life, but they just don't, they don't want to go and seek other information out or I just, I will, I've always wondered what that disconnect is, is like, so do they enjoy manual labor? Is that what it is? Or like, do they, you know, yeah. or do you see, see where I'm going I with that too? And to me, that's always been, uh, it's an equation of applied energy, you know? So, you know, I, I, being a hard worker, you know, it's, it's, there's many things that you can be a hard worker at, like a labor, like you said. And I think, until it's brought to somebody's attention that you can apply your efforts and your time and your mind towards something else that earns more dollars and you know, it's 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 leverage you know so i think understanding how to apply your your energy and your time towards something that is larger you know and i think that's part of continuous growing so i think you know a lot of these people that have been laborers for 
you know, 40, 50 years are hard workers. They just got into it and they were like, cool, I'm making good money. You know, let me just stick with this. And that's how you get stuck with that paycheck to paycheck. Like you're going to live your life as a flat line. It's never going to go up. You're never going to, you know, and it's, it's, I think you have to continuously learn and continuously take those steps to understand what it takes to leverage your time. Yeah. Yeah. And leveraging your time, but like also like thinking of like, maybe that's just like, I don't know if it's a complacency thing or if they're just like, they've built their bills up. Like, I feel like a lot of people would listen to this conversation, maybe in that position and say, you know, something along the lines of like, I would love to go and learn and go do other things, but I'm, I work 50 hours a week. I don't have time. You know, I, I have a mortgage. I have two kids. I got to, you know, go and save up for Disneyland. Like I got to go pick up OT. Like I can't be listening to, you know, reading books and like doing all these other things. So I think a lot of it also has to do with where you're at, like where you kind of get bit by this, this hustle bug, I call it Uh, like where, at what stage in life do you get bit by that? Because like, I think for the folks that unfortunately maybe, you know, later in life, they're like, man, they look at themselves and they're like, man, I could do so much more, but they just have so many obligations weighing them down. It's like, I think it makes it very difficult for them, even though I'm sure a lot of them, even though they really want to do it, but they just, they have so many obligations. They can't, you know what I mean? So, and that's, my heart goes out to people like that. And I know a lot of people in that situation and, and, uh, it just, I guess it gives me a different perspective on, on what to do at a younger age. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is it feels like that's probably, you know, 95 to 99% of all yeah. people. Yeah. You if know? you were to go ask someone, do you like what you do? You yeah. know, and they're in, let's say they're in their forties or fifties, or early sixties. You know, do you like, do you like the career you chose that you've been doing for X amount of years? And I yeah. would be curious to see how many of them would, would honestly say yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, we always talk about like opportunity for growth as well. It's like a lot of these, you know, other people don't, they, they, they think it's too late. You know, they're like, you know, I'm already, I'm already 40. I'm already 30. You know, I, I can't, I can't switch now. I've already wasted so much time. But, you know, if you can, if you can figure out where to apply your energy to where it's best used, um, I think that's, but it's tough though. Cause like you said, I mean, the, the bills are, that's how you get stuck in that rat race. So that's, that's exactly how you get stuck. And then, and then how you get out of that, you know, and. I don't have an answer. I don't, I don't, I don't really know, honestly, you know, um, I heard a really sad story, uh, an investor, cause I've been working a lot, a lot with these investors and not to kind of bring it, bring it down to a sad level here. But, um, I listened to this story the other day, man, that was, and I can share the story if you'd like, but it's a, it was an incredible story that really opened my eyes. And I had a long conversation with the investor and it was just, it was more of like a philosophical, like, like what is life like what's the meaning to life kind of type conversation because it's like uh, uh, some of these investors see these situations man and it's it's truly heartbreaking to see you know so many good people get caught up in that just because they can't they can't get ahead yeah. you know it's they're one transmission job away from being zero you yeah. know they're they're one they're one major you know accident yeah, or one one thing out, yeah the roof Ex- like, and then yeah, we're done one yeah. yeah one thing and we and this investor were talking about it and we're like man it's sad and meanwhile while you know they go into a rental you know these guys are living in a six million dollar mansion in san diego or like raise the rent another 400 bucks yeah you know and it's like <laughs> they they're so out of touch with reality they don't realize that 400 dollars for some of these people 
is every single dollar they have that's extra groceries for the month, you know, like yeah, everything that's, yeah. that's all they have. And if, yeah, sure. Maybe they, they could afford to pay 300, $400 extra, but then it's right back to one transmission, one roof, one AC, one, you know, two tires break, yeah. whatever. Like, it's just crazy, man. It's so sad to see. It really is. But yeah. I think um, I think there's a lot of a lot of good out there though too. I think there's a lot of people out there that are striving to uh, to do good as well. So we'll leave it on that note, guys. We appreciate you guys tuning into the podcast. I know this one ran a little bit longer than our our normal pods do, but it's been uh, what about, about a month since a we jumped on. Much, so. so apologies on that. There's been a lot of moving parts as you guys are now informed. I just switched teams, so you know we're not working in the same office. So we've had to you know figure out some different things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been a great switch. I think, you know, we'll, we'll start to find some more consistency in these pods again as we reconnect. So, yes, sir. Sounds good, man. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. If you can, please, uh, leave us a review, share it, put it on social, tell a friend about it. We'd really appreciate it guys. Be above. Catch you on the next one.